Hey everybody, Sam here. It's been a while since you've heard from me, and I apologize for that. I was merely moving my life to another country. Um, as some of you should know who have been listening to the podcast for a while, this year, 2017, is my year of being a digital nomad. And so I am in Buenos Aires um, and have been here for almost two months and got really far behind on podcast editing. <laughs> so sorry about that. But I am back on track now and... You can expect a monthly podcast from Designers Drink. And if there are more episodes a month than one, it will just be a bonus. So the podcast is back in school from the winter break. And here is one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded with Lynn Zagorski. So hope you enjoy. Welcome to Designer's Drink, the podcast where I sit down with a fellow designer over drinks and discuss inspiration, the creative process, and our definitions of success. I am your host, Sam Fagan, founder of Design It Please, and here with me today is a true Austinite, Lynn Zagorski. Hello! Hi, Lynn. <laughs> Lynn is an independent designer and illustrator in Austin, Texas. She is a hand letterer, which I love, and her Huffy Sweepstakes posters won the Best of Show 2015 Atlanta Advertising Award, which I think is pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> Being a solopreneur comes with a unique set of challenges. It, it does, indeed. What has been your biggest lesson this year? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think I think my biggest lesson has just been learning to trust myself and to uh, sort of know that I'm not there's always going to be a point at which I don't really know what I'm doing and that's okay and just to push past it and keep working until it looks right like and then if it if it doesn't look right at the, there's a certain point where I just start over but um not freaking out over every single little thing has been a huge lesson for me. And what made you decide to go solo? Well, I had always wanted to. Uh, I'd always wanted to full-time freelance. And I had taken um, a contract job with a big tech conglomerate and was working for them for a while. And um, I had the opportunity to contract at a much cooler design agency, but it was a three month long contract. And I, it was a little scary it, to consider taking it, but I knew that um, at the end of those three months that I wouldn't have a choice and it would finally just force me into the freelance life because I'm the kind of person who, who wouldn't necessarily choose to do the risky thing. But if the risky thing is my only option, I'll like run with it. Would you have any advice for 
anyone thinking about getting into the freelance life? I, well, it's so hard to give advice to freelancers because it's so individual to you. Like your business is all about you and what you do. So for me, um, I had been doing moonlighting for a while and I had kind of built up that experience with dealing with clients and juggling projects and um, different types of projects and sort of building up that experience before you go full-time freelance is important and building relationships is another big thing. Um, I have a, I have a few people who I rely on for a lot of work and you have to take care of those relationships and also seek out new ones. What works for you when seeking out a new relationship like that? How, like, how do you network? Um, I tend to network mostly. Well, I, I don't like the term networking. First of all, I think that, um, it's important to be cognizant that you're networking, but at the end of the day, you, you just want to make friends who like your stuff and you like working with them. So I did a lot of Drupal and AIGA meetups um, through Twitter. I met a lot of designers in Austin through Twitter. And they actually sent you work. Yeah. So um, one of my good friends, Brad Woodard, um, is like an amazing super talented designer who's worked with like huge brands like Target and um, Toyota and we have similar styles and so sometimes he'll get bogged down with work or uh, I think if a designer has a project that um, that they're not really interested in or they're too busy for mm -hmm. they they want to be helpful to that client and say like I'm I'm too busy or this isn't within my budget but here's Here's this person who, you know, granted they're not me, but they're pretty similar and they might be in your budget range. They might be available. And I got a lot of work through Brad. Um, so meeting him through Twitter was was huge for me. And I didn't I didn't even know it would be that big of a deal. And whenever I have a question, I ask him um, what he thinks and his advice. So that's been super helpful. How did you meet him through Twitter? <laughs> well, um, I had made another mutual friend through Twitter. And I think you just, it's all about like some, you follow them and you just respond to like a random thing that's relevant to both of you. And uh, I think I saw that he was going to be at an under the radar thing. And I was like, hey, I'd love to say hi to you. And um he was very recognizable, so I, I was like, <laughs> hi, I'm Lynn from Twitter. <laughs> nice to meet you. And I gave him my business card, and I followed up. And, and, you know, like, people are, designers are accessible to, to normal, quote, unquote, people. <laughs> like, they're not going to, I think a lot of designers will be, they're willing to help people out. I found a very supportive design community in Austin, which I think is great. And, and I'm not sure how often that happens all over the world. I wonder if Austin is the exception to the rule or, or the rule. I don't know. I mean, 
I I have no frame of reference because mm-hmm. I'm only from here. <laughs> but I have been just so encouraged from the creative community. I've never had really a a competitive or mean-spirited interaction with anybody. Mm-hmm. So I hope it continues along that path. So what are we drinking today, Lynn? We're drinking a white Russian with a Lynn Zagorski twist. Um, I, I like to use a nice coffee liqueur as opposed to Kahlua and um, to add some actual coffee in there. So we, we made some AeroPress. Uppers and downers, baby. Oh, yeah. And uh, we put in a little bit of hazelnut syrup. So it's like an adult milkshake. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious, you guys. What got you turned on to the White Russian? I had a friend who introduced me to the Big Lebowski. (laughs) I knew it. Which is like (laughs) how everyone starts drinking White Russians. But they in college, they're really shitty White Russians. Um, So I'd like to think it's grown up a little bit. I hadn't seen the Big Lebowski until last year. And I had a big, big Lebowski viewing party. And we made White Russians. And that's when I had my first white Russian and I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. I think, I think people can get kind of uh there's, there may be an ick factor to, to mixing alcohol with milk, but it's surprisingly very good. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other day, so I picked up uh, a Ben and Jerry's bourbon ice cream, something or other. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of it, but I put a couple scoops in a glass in a tumbler and then a shot of bourbon and finished oh. it off with some almond milk. It was the best. Yeah, I bet. Would you call yourself a coffee fanatic? Yes. Um, I was showing you earlier the the little like brew area of the kitchen. I have my electric burr grinder and the AeroPress and the gooseneck uh, kettle. Mm-hmm. And I, I have my like, uh, gourmet roasted beans. So I de- I definitely prefer like the nice third third wave coffee. Mm-hmm. And are your beans from a place in Austin? Yes. Uh, Wild Gift in Round Rock, Texas. They produce some awesome stuff. And they serve Wild Gift at Once Over Coffee Bar. Yeah. On South First. They also serve it at Cenote. Have you ever been there? Yes. Yes. Cenote is like a great place for meeting someone for lunch and it's healthy and you can get some work done on those like expansive tables in the shade. Mm -hmm. I love that place. Mm -hmm. It's good. And they have mussels. I've never had their mussels. It's one of the only, I haven't either, but it's one of the only places that you can get like mussels on a Tuesday. (laughs) Does your appreciation for coffee influence your design in any way? Oh, I love that question. I think, I think it's all about the details and the ritual of, of why I love coffee. And 
I'm definitely obsessive about coffee in the same way that I am obsessive about design and details. I watched your process video of the Bulldog digital painting. Oh, yeah. And it was awesome. I was entranced. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, most people don't realize how long something like that takes and how much detail goes into it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, half the time I don't even think about it. But that was a – there were many layers upon many layers of that. Um, at the end of that video, I kind of wish you would have shown, like, stats, like how long you had worked on it. Oh. And then how long – an estimate, obviously. How right. long you've been practicing your craft. Oh. And then every time you do a video, that number would – those numbers would go – well, I mean, the total amount of time might go down, but right. the total number of hours practiced would go up. I feel like that would give a lot of perspective to people. That's who, a great idea. Who aren't in the industry or people who are. And I think, I think for that particular video, um, it was like maybe two or three hours condensed into like seven minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I have no idea how to track how many hours I've been I've been doing it. Like yeah. Whenever, whenever someone brings up like the ten thousand hour rule, mm -hmm. I just have no frame of reference for how much or how long that I've been doing art because it's it's really been like since I was a kid, right? And yeah, you'd have to get creative with your estimate. Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably be over ten thousand hours, but I also, I mean, I I guess I draw about at least four hours a day. And what's it like working, so you guys can't see the setup here, but Lynn's desk is on one side of the room and her fiancé Andrew's desk is on the exact opposite side of the room. So you're working back to back. Yeah, his and hers desks. And what what is that dynamic like? <laughs> so so actually, the I think it was on Friday, just the other day, it, well, Andrew has this really nice, ergonomic, expensive chair um that i'm currently sitting yeah in. it's really nice mm -hmm. and he leaned back and like stretched his arms <laughs> out and cracked his knuckles unknowingly right right in my ears and i just i just turned around and i was like can you just not do that? and i mean most of the time i love it most of the time i love having andrew sitting right behind me and i can kind of turn around and show him whatever I'm working on or if something's funny on the internet and it's nice because I, I, th I think I would probably get lonely without him but mm -hmm. um, we're we're currently assessing the the desk situation and maybe <laughs> um, situating one staggered so it's it's pretty tight but in this little studio space but I I love it it's and it's really nice to have a home office mm -hmm. like we're just so lucky yeah for sure. And you don't get tired of each other. No, we haven't yet. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> Knock on all the wood. Mm hmm I was doing a StoryCorps interview last night. Oh, really? Yeah, because they have an app. 
Oh, awesome. And so you can just do interviews with anyone that you can wrangle into one. (laughs) (laughs) So me and one of my friends was sitting on my back porch and I was like, okay, I'm leaving in three months. We're doing a story car interview right now. (laughs) And she agreed. So one of the questions really stood out to me and I was like, I'm going to ask this to Lynn. Can you tell me about one or two people, and I'm going to specify designers, Okay. who have been particularly inspirational to your life? And if they were here, what would you say to them? Okay, so I feel like there's, there's two designers who've made a pretty big impact on me. Um, one of them is my former boss, who I will not mention, because he was inspirational to me in like a good way, but also a bad way, which I think is important. Like he was an excellent designer, very technically skilled, um, super fast, good at what he does, but he was not a people person and he was my manager and he did not manage me very well and he did not work with people very well. He he would like redesign my stuff without oh, telling me. Yeah. Like I I would like I worked I, for one of those. I was a brand new designer, like fresh out of school, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "What do you think about this? What do you think about this?" You know, and he would be like, "Yeah, that's fine," mm-hmm. and then he would just redesign it that night mm-hmm. and not tell me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to have someone in your life that teaches you those hard lessons. Mm-hmm. My first job out of college was with a a senior designer who did not mentor me at all. Right. So I would have a task, I'd send it to her for approval, and then the next thing I know, she had redone it all um, without even talking to me. I think it's really hard, and I've never managed anybody, so I don't know, but I suspect it's very hard to be a design manager because... I think most people get into design and they want to they want to do things. They don't want to manage people. They want to, and it's easier just to redo something than to tell someone how to redo yeah. something. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish that I had been more proactive in in collaborating with him. Like, hey, we don't have to work against each other. We can work together. And I didn't do that. Well, that takes a certain amount of maturity to right. even recognize, right? And. <laughs> You know, and it wasn't on, it's not on the junior designer to do that at the end of the day. Mm -mm. But, you know, hindsight, I would have wanted to up manage, as they call it, or manage up, I think is the correct term. They both sound good to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's like not a normal answer. That's not like the stereotypical, like, oh, this, this designer really inspires me, but I think you can learn a lot from people's shortcomings mm-hmm. and their their failures and your failures. And I and I did learn a lot from him as a designer just watching over his shoulder. Like he he never sat me down and was like, "Here's how we should do something." I sat next to him and I would watch him use Illustrator and I was like, "Oh my god, like that's amazing." Like yeah. and I would learn that way. And it taught me that some people are just difficult and it's has nothing to do with with you personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally took it personally when my first boss. Oh yeah. I did too. Changed all my stuff. And (laughs) it's taken a couple of years for me to get that perspective. But if I saw him, if I saw him across the street, I would still mean the shit out of that. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, like he was like, you know, 
eight years older than me. Mm. You should have known known better. better. Yeah. Yeah. I've had one job um, where I got the opportunity to mentor other designers and it was the best experience that one of the best experiences I've had. And so, yeah, having a manager like that, having a boss like that, having anyone, anyone who's willing to do that in your life, I think is super important. Mm -hmm. Who's the second inspirational (laughs) person? I love Frank Shimero. His, his like designed thinking is very inspirational to me. And I don't know if I would even say anything to him. I think I would just want to listen <laughs> because he's just so, you know, I think you could, there's like technical skills and there's conceptual skills. Mm-hmm. And I think you can learn technical skills from, from anybody. Like you can just watch and it's really a matter of time and practice, but those conceptual skills are a, a totally different and I think much rarer set of skills mm-hmm. to define someone with. And Frank Jumeir is the kind of person who I think, I think gets it. So if you could assemble a dinner party <laughs> with your design heroes, mm-hmm. like Frank, who would be invited and what would you eat? Okay. <laughs> mm. I think I would pick Meg Robichund. Mm-hmm. She's a illustrator who does, some great work for Spotify and other brands. And she's, um, I can tell that she's a conceptual thinker from her medium articles. She goes into depth about illustration. So definitely her, Jessica Hish. Mm-hmm. I love, I love her. And she's, you know, she's a talented designer, but she's also super outgoing and sociable and vulnerable and, you know, willing to help out younger women. I would I pick my friend Becky Simpson. Uh Becky, Jessica, Meg. I like that this is very like female centric at yes, the moment. I d- I think I would prefer to have a lady centric dinner party for mm-hmm. sure. Jen Musari. She's awesome. I would I think the first thing I would ask her is how she does her eyeliner because it's <laughs> so sharp and on point. <laughs> That's in every awesome. photo and then i saw her in person i was like your your damn eyeliner is just so <laughs> perfect even like on a random day <laughs> i like this there's this illustrator and she's more of a a visual like concept designer her name was claire hummel and she does some really awesome work for she worked at hbo and before that she worked at microsoft for their gaming studios and she's just like um Rather than like a design illustration, she does very like technical conceptual illustrations. And I love her appreciation for history. And she's like really into Egyptian culture and like national parks. And she also just seems like a cool person. Mm. And I would love to have her to my house. Cool. Um, so how many is that? Like five. Okay. I think that's like a good dinner party size. Yeah, yeah. Um, as for what we would cook, I made one time. I made this short rib pot pie. It was very laborious <laughs> and hard, but it was the best thing I've ever cooked. And I'm not sure if it was because I just worked on it for so long and right. so hard that it just <laughs> like tasted good purely because I just knew, or but it was like a bon appetit recipe and it had all these weird ingredients 
<laughs> and it was just such a, like a, a fall recipe and it was very impressive and it had good presentation. So like shorted pot pie, maybe some like scalloped green chili potatoes mm, mm-hmm. and like a kale salad. <laughs> Got to get a vegetable. And a night. Yeah. You get all about the vegetables mm-hmm. and a nice bottle of you know, maybe like a Bordeaux, like a nice Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. I would be treating these designers like they would like I want to. This is a nice dinner party. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, And then maybe for dessert, like a, a tiramisu mm. or like a creme brulee. My favorite. Yes. I might have to crash this. <laughs> yes, please come. Why would having a ladies' night be important to you? Well, I think I've always really felt like ladies need to stick together. And and I, I think it's it's much better in design rather than like gaming or comics where women are um, made victims by trolls. And like design is a, a pretty friendly place, but it's still very male centric like a lot of the famous designers that you'll see are men and if there's like a a cool competition or a cool like collective it's all dudes and that makes me really sad because there's a lot of badass ladies out there who would love to to work on stuff and to contribute and i think it's like part partly like bro culture um like it's just easier to it's probably just easier to make friends with other dudes if you're a dude, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I think that like having lady, um, having a lady dinner party would be really awesome because yeah. you could sort of ask the questions that like a man couldn't answer about being a designer as a woman mm-hmm. because it's. I mean, it's it's gotten a lot better than it probably ever has been as a woman, but there's still there's still challenges that I'm sure you've you've faced and I would love to hear what they have to say. So what are some of the challenges that you've faced or you feel like you've faced as a woman designer? Um I think that like putting yourself out there on social media as a woman, you have certain expectations that you have to meet. Um like what? I feel like you have to be very accommodating and and uh like nice maybe so not super opinionated yes not you know like very easygoing and like maybe not even having like political opinions or you know just being very neutral and always happy whereas i feel like men can be more like upset about status quo or um sort of like they can be more aggressive in their social media presentation of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also just like having male bosses, you just, it's hard to quantify the challenges that you have with a male boss, but I've had male and female bosses and it is like night and day for me mm-hmm. at least. Like I know that there are good and bad female bosses and good and bad male bosses, but I've had more awesome female bosses than awesome male bosses for sure and what what has made them awesome or not awesome um the two female managers that i've had were 
they seemed like they were very invested in what I wanted outside of the company. So they were like, what do you need from me? That's not like, what do you want to do? Like, what's your end goal? By the way, that has nothing to do with the company that we're currently gotcha. working at. So they were invested in your long term. Right. They, they, um, they really were looking for that thing that made me happy and trying to bring that out of me and to get my best work through what I already like to do rather than like thinking of just tasks to do that and then just having me do them. Right. Yeah. So more of mentoring. Yeah. It was, it was a more of a mentoring relationship than I've had in other, in other relationships. Mm -hmm. How do you think women can support each other better? Mm -hmm. And how do you think men can support women better? Um, okay. That's a great question. So I think that women can support women better by being collaborative. There's a lot of like women centric media and meetup groups. Like I had a, an artist agent reach out to me about, she's like, I'm a woman. I want to have all women in my, in my practice, like women photographers. And I think that's like badass, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so I think that we're doing a pretty good job of supporting other women. I think that especially for me, like I'm a very competitive person. So I tend to be like, I have to suppress a little bit of that um, competition and the need to compete against other women. But when we're all collaborating together, like I don't feel that. Um, and as for men, I I did have one, one or two male managers who I think did a very good job at reaching out to me. I think that's the first step is reaching out to a woman and acknowledging their talent and, um, you know, whether or not you're bringing them onto your team or just saying like, Hey, I really like your stuff. Like that's huge Mm -hmm. coming from a man. Like it's one thing to hear that from a woman. Like I'm much more likely to go to a woman and say, Hey, I really like your stuff. I like what you're doing. And I think it's a little bit harder for maybe a man to do that just because, you know, like there's this element of, especially if they're married and they don't want to look like they're like fraternizing with a younger lady. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's necessarily what they're thinking, but right. I, I'm sure that it even subconsciously plays into it. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate it when even just like really talented or, you know, male designers will reach out to me. Like that's huge. Um, and as for, as for what, like what else they could be doing, um, like my friend, I'm very talented designer, Justin David Cox. Um, he's, he started a, uh, art gallery and they focus primarily on, you know, new exhibitions, like people who've never had an art gallery showing before or sh- a solo show, I should say. Um, and they try to do mostly women, like they still do like male artists but they they have almost like a like a soft spot they're like we want to show your art like to the female creative world and i think that like i really appreciate that Mm -hmm. yeah it's nice when a man has that kind of awareness of yeah he's very he's very aware like we're we're friends on facebook and he like even just like posting about like sexism and stuff in the industry i'm like Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, like a little bit goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's always nice to have an ally. You know, there's a lot of uh, like little internet design things that are for fun. And I think that you tend to go for your like your buddy buddy when you reach out to designers. But I, I would encourage guys to like look at the ladies in that area and, you know, put yourself out there a little bit more. Maybe like take a little bit more of a risk on a woman like she may have a smaller portfolio, but, you know, make that make that engagement because everyone starts from somewhere. Yeah. And I think that people underestimate the power when you're in a position of power and a position of privilege. Right. What it means to invite someone who's not in that position of power, like up into it. Yeah. It's just like really simple. Like when I, when I look at like a speaker series that's been ongoing for a long period of time and I just, I'm like, just for shits and giggles, I'm going to look at the number of female designers Versus the number of male designers that are featured mm-hmm. in the speaker series. Right. Like the statistics aren't like you don't have to look very far to see like, oh, there's a huge discrepancy. Mm-hmm. And it's not for lack of talented female designers. Right. Yep. We should start a female design conference. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Do you consider creativity a practice? Yes. How do you practice? Um, Obviously, you do figure drawing. Yeah, so I think that you can divide creative practice into two categories. I think you can divide it into technical skills. So figure drawing would be a good a good technical skill. You know, draftsmanship is what illustrators use to describe being able to draw um, realistic images well and that is definitely something that you lose if you don't practice drawing faces drawing from perspective that is definitely something i practice all the time but i think that also creative practice can be something a little bit more abstract and it's a little bit more it's harder to put your finger on and i'm still figuring it out but like being able to come up with creative ideas rather than just like drawing what the client tells you to or like drawing what's popular right now and actually like moving beyond that and thinking about what's what's new and what can I like synthesize. That's a different type of practice. And I practice that by trying not to stay too insular to what's now. You know, so it's really easy to get all of your inspiration from the internet because it's like right in front of my face. Mm-hmm. So, um, like Pinterest and Dribble and Design Inspiration, like all those are great places to like look at amazing designers' work. But I think that you you need to keep your inspiration pretty broad and like turn off the computer and go to like thrift shops and, you know, antique festivals and museums and think about things and expose yourself to stories and practices that are outside of design because otherwise you're just like, you're in this 
like blinder mode and you can get so you can get you can get so far down that tunnel that you don't even you don't even know that you're in there what is one book that every designer should read so i already already talked about frank shimero and his book shape of design is free if you read it online so you should totally read that if you haven't already and it's very high high design like conceptual but if you go into it um with that mindset you can you can just glean so much and i found it very inspirational and i try to read it once a year um and then i also read this book recently called free play which is a book that was written in the 90s and it's all it's all about improvisation and um in art and art in life and the author talks he talks about it in a perspective of like jazz or improv comedy mm-hmm. but i found that a lot of the lessons from free play were applicable to a creative like any creative life really well, like what i think the the part that was most convicting to me was about perfectionism and like you you cannot be a perfectionist when you're doing improv comedy mm. or if you're doing jazz like you just have to be okay with part of it not being perfect mm-hmm. basically yeah. and um as a perfectionist that's like a really hard it's like one thing to know that but another thing to practice it right. but um i found it very liberating to read that yeah that's cool what is your definition of success? Do you want to be Jessica Hish? Um, I think there's a small, there's a, there's a part of me that wants to be like Instagram famous, but I'm really happy right now just doing the work that I am and like, serve, you know, I'm not even like surviving. I'm, I'm thriving, you know, like I don't have that following, but I have satisfying work. I feel creative, which I think is, in it of itself successful Mm -hmm. because you can, you can have like a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand Instagram followers and not be happy. Like a lot of those people aren't happy. Mm -hmm. They're just projecting happiness. And I feel like I actually am happy. That's good. So yeah, I mean like, that's great. (laughs) I consider that success. What do you think designers could be doing better or differently? I think designers could be less insular. So I think that like if you go look at a design conference, it's like the same set of like eight designers who are the headline speakers. And what I really want is for you know, decision makers to look for people who are smaller and have a unique perspective and can give a unique talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Aaron Draplin, but I've I've heard him speak like five times, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that there are designers out there who may not be as famous or, you know, even have as big of clients, but you can learn something from everybody. And there are people who would who would want to share their perspective. One of the things that this doing this podcast has made me realize is how many people want to have a voice and just don't have the opportunity to 
talk. Right. Or be asked these questions. And I think it's it's kind of like the paradox of like finding a job of like having that experience to need that experience. Right. The catch 22. Yeah. It's like that for talks. Mm-hmm. Like I think I got, I've had one talk and it was kind of a last minute thing and there were just, everyone was out of town that weekend. And mm. so like I was like probably the last person on their list or like they managed to find me through other people, but I had a 15 minute talk and that's, that was like my wedge, like foot in the door. It's hard to break into like sharing your voice without like I try to blog. Like I think that's an easy way to show that like, hey, I have a voice and I have opinions that are unique and original. I think a blog is a good way to share your opinions without any risk on the part of people who would be hiring you or putting themselves on the line to have you speak for mm-hmm. their thing. Right. So that's what I'm I'm trying to do that more to show people that I can have original ideas and that I share my process and that my process is unique and my experience is unique and that people can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Maybe this podcast could be the platform for people who I hope so. Don't have as much of a voice as they want to have yeah there's there's a ton of podcasts out there like design podcasts that they're always like booking the latest and greatest designer but they already have a following they already have a voice Mm -hmm. so i I like what you're doing is like you're seeking out people who are you know close to you physically but are not necessarily the most sought after opinions yeah not famous yeah 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 up and coming. Up and coming. <laughs> That's a better way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we find you online, Lynn? So you can find me. I'm very Googleable because there's not there's not a lot of Lynn Zagorskis out there. But if you uh, if you go to lynnzagorski.com, you can find me in all my various social medias. Um, and if, if you're wondering, Zagorski is spelled exactly like it sounds, Z-A-G-O-R-S-K-I. And um, yeah, I have, a, I have a newsletter and an Instagram and a Twitter, so you can find me all over there. And I have Dribble. Go follow her on Instagram so she can be Instagram famous. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time. Cool. Yeah, me too. Make sure you check out the podcast notes at designersdrink.com. Thank you for listening. If you know of a designer who I should have on the show or a question or an issue that you want discussed, shoot me an email at sam at designitplease.com. And if you love this podcast, share it with a friend, subscribe to it, rate and review it. Everything is wonderful. We should try it. We should try to get together this like dinner party. Yes. Of, of female. I actually, designers. I shared a fasten with Jessica Hish. It, I say a what? A fa- so like a fake Uber, <laughs> a fasten, That's okay. what, like the app. The yeah, ride yeah. share now that we no longer have. She was in Austin? She was in Austin for Icon. She was a speaker. And um, 
she was friends with a friend and she was invited over to their house and that friend was like, hey, Jessica Hish and I are going back to my house. Do you want to come? And I was like, what? Yes. Yes, I want to come. <laughs> and it was magical. I mean, like I tried not to be starstruck, but I, I think I was. <laughs> it's a little hard not I to. I was a little, I had, a, I've had a few drinks. I was like at a, a like an after party and then like I shared this fast one with her and I was just like relishing that moment. I was like, I'm sitting next to this guy. She's Arethal, you know, just so you're basically best friends. <laughs> I would love to be best friends with Jessica Hish. So you can get her to the dinner party. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and now I'm like, oh, Anna Rifle Bond, she should totally come, and they could bring both of their kids, and their kids could be friends well, and get married one day and have awesome designer <laughs> babies. <laughs> a that's designer, a designer baby conjures up yes. images of like. <laughs> genetics yeah that's that's probably like the wrong the wrong words but that's awesome <clears throat> okay we're gonna we're gonna get on this <laughs> we have a year to plan it so okay yeah 